What's up, everybody? It's good to be back. I took a couple weeks away and relaxed and spent some time doing some other things. Didn't really relax, I guess. It's pretty busy. But uh, I'm back and I've got a couple of episodes that I'm going to drop that uh, I'm super excited about. The first one with a friend of mine who was recently on The Voice. And uh, he's been on this podcast before. And the story goes that he actually started the process to The Voice uh, right at that same point in time. So it was cool to find out what that was like, the experience he had, and just fun catching up with a buddy. He's always a blast to talk to. Give it up for my friend, J.D. Casper. But before we enjoy this episode, a quick shout to the sponsor of this podcast, Action Specialty Roast Coffee and Natural Supplements. If you haven't gone to drinkaction.com, and that's action with a K, and checked out the Specialty Roast Coffee, including Anthony Rumble Johnson's Rumble Time Blend, which... If you haven't been following, Rumble's on his way back. He's got a fight May 7th on Showtime for the Bellator Grand Prix light heavyweight tournament against Yoel Romero. So stay tuned and check out the site. We're going to be having some special things hit the website here shortly. And uh, if you haven't also checked out any of Action's natural supplements, things like turmeric and hemp for reduction of inflammation, joint health, and just overall health and well-being, I take it really to just help me deal with getting my ass whooped in jujitsu weekly. Um, It's a great supplement and fuel, which is an MCT on the go little snack pack. It's clean energy. It supports keto. It's a great snack before exercise uh, and a bunch of other cool stuff that are on the way. Head to drinkaction.com. Use code word curious for 15% off and enjoy this episode. Jake, I, it's fucking awesome to have you back on. I appreciate it, dude. It's uh, oh. it's even cooler to flip the television. I know you're not down for continuing to to watch it and and whatnot, and I'm sure it's been like a long process. But you've been back now for six. You said six weeks, seven weeks. Mm, maybe like I can't remember. It's been something like that. Yeah, something you're- like that. You're performing again. Things opened up down there in Texas for you to play. Texas is wide open, man. So, I mean, I'm pretty much back to normal. I got events going on. I'm playing my normal routine. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to say that, you know, it's not, it's, it's not, you know, COVID-19 is not really affecting me, at least in my profession anymore, like it was a year ago. Yeah, no, shit, dude. This is, this is the second time you've been on here. We were just saying... It's like almost a year ago, like 11 months ago. It was right when this whole thing happened. Remember, two weeks to flatten the curve. You 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 bailed from Texas and went up to Bradford for a couple of weeks to try to wait it out. And yeah, I was like, oh, I'm ready to come back. Yeah, be playing again. Yeah, that didn't – well, that, Texas is weird, man, because we opened up – we opened up in June, and it was full on. No masks or nothing required no social distancing it was packed at these bars and then um there was an outbreak again well not an outbreak but you know obviously cases went up and um then 
they can't they clamp back down really tight for july and august and then in september we slowly opened up and then you know they had this restaurant thing where if you serve food you can open so then all these bars are are getting around it by serving you know tater tots or whatever they're serving and you know it was it was kind of laughable what was going on for a while but um yeah i'm just really glad that that life is getting back to normal dude because i need to be i i for for what i do i need to be out there and we need to be working if i if i want to make a living you know i need to be out there how many of the places that you played are still open is there a big impact to a lot of the venues that you're performing at or well yeah i would say some places have closed some bars have closed some venues have closed but some are open like a lot of them have survived and austin's been good about like uh they had like grants and stuff like that like they were funding a lot of this operation you know um like you could apply for grants and uh there's obviously the ppp loan i mean um a lot of it survived but there are a lot of a lot of small businesses did close for sure man yeah i mean it was just like anywhere else in the country yeah i was in austin in, in august end of i think end of august and it was i mean it was pretty i would i mean it was i wouldn't say completely locked down but it was it was pretty strict at the time yeah man i mean it's uh well dude you i remember when you were here i wanted i was hoping to run it did it, would we ever meet up when you were here i no, can't remember not the last time i was so busy i i was down there with uh with rumble johnson and doing some things with action mm. that's that's made a pretty cool brand man yeah no it's been a blast it's we've got a it's going to be an exciting few months at action you know we kind of like weathered the storm last year mm -hmm. i got involved uh, right before the pandemic hit and our whole plan of how we were going to launch the business kind of went out the window and so we had made investments into product and you know we were kind of down a road and you know, had to figure out how to sustain it and so i think we we did a pretty good job of that but yeah dude it's it's a brand that i think the quality of the coffee is underrated i don't know if you drink coffee but if you do i'll send you some Love coffee. i'll get yeah. you some coffee and try it out it's it's fantastic you know it's single single farm sourced from uh the highlands of guatemala so it's a family that's had a farm for over 100 years my co -par my partner joe went down there sourced the beans and then he imports them from guatemala into austin and then he hand craft roasts them right there on order so usually you know every couple of days he's roasting like another 20 to 50 60 pounds and we just keep it keep it cranking fresh and so you know it's it's all clean it's all natural it's really good can't beat it yeah dude well uh i don't have, 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 have do you have you been watching the tournament at all march madness um a little bit a little bit 
Hmm. Well, did you see that last game where that dude hit the buzzer beater? I did. Yeah. It's on right now. You're not. It's not on the background over there. Mm-mm. No distractions, right? Never. Never any. <laughs> well, dude, I um, I I've been watching because uh, I don't know what it is with this network down here, but well, cable network, I mean. But I've been getting St. Bonaventure basketball games, which I know their season's over. I'm getting St. Bonaventure basketball games down here in Austin, Texas. And I'm like, every time I find it, I got to sit there and watch it. Because I'm like, how in the hell is St. Bonaventure getting aired down here? And it's like current season? Yeah. Of course, it's live basketball. Isn't that crazy? It's really cool. I guess it's not that crazy. I mean, they're Division One, right? Yeah. Now they're Atlantic Ten, D one. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not too crazy. It just hits home for me, you know. Like I walk into like it's happened to be numerous times where like I'll walk into a bar. Or, I think the most recent time I went to this this uh, arcade with my kids and my my girl. And I go to order food at the bar and, you know, it's like an arcade and they have a bar, like draft beers and food and stuff. So I go there to order food and above is a TV and St. Bonaventure is on the TV. And I look over my girl, I'm like, that's St. Bonaventure on on the fucking TV right there. And she's like, "Uh, what's that mean? Like, what? I'm like, dude, St. Bonaventure is an Olean, like Allegheny. Like, that's basically Bradford that's on TV right now. Made you feel like you were sitting at Angie's having a slice. <laughs> or Manja's or uh dude, I used to drive up to Manja's to get the 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 four dollar special, man. You get two gigantic slices of pizza and a Coke for four bucks. Manja's is hell of a pizza spot. <laughs> I would go all the way up there for the four dollar special, bro. I'd those like, okay, slices I'm, I'm those slices it. were humongous they were they they were the side like hanging your face dude yeah Mm. yeah oh man you've got me now thinking about pizza very good well i'm actually i uh i have something on ebay that i'm trying to sell and uh i'm just trying to see if it sells which is uh you know my my uh team kelly jacket that i acquired while i was on the show i have it on ebay which apparently i guess no one's selling them i don't know there's probably not a lot in existence i put on this rare if i sell it though the first thing i'm doing is buying a pizza oven to keep in the house i'm trying to perfect perfect a good pizza recipe man like a legitimate new york style Manjas slash Renna's. I know it's not going to be as good as Renna's or even Manjas, but I'm just trying to have like a really good pizza that I want to do myself. Like make the dough, keep the dough in the in the freezer. You know, that'd be fun. I've we found two really good pizza places here near us that it's kind of a toss up between my wife and I. Like when it's it's pizza time, it's kind of an argument as to which one we go to, but. I I will I don't handle bad pizza anymore. There's 
there's too many good places to grab a slice to settle for shit pizza. So, well, it's like that up there in the Northeast, man. But if you're down here, like, I swear to God, man, it's so weird. It's like the pizza, like, it's weird. Although there's a really good spot for, like, I like to go to this food truck that's called Via 313. And they do Detroit style pizza. So it's basically like Chicago Super like sauce on top. Yeah. But I mean that's a different, that's a specialty thing, you know? <laughs> so if you want like specialty style pizzas down here, then you're in a good place. But if you want like a legitimate New York thin crust, you know, you're not gonna really find it, man. What about a fat not Sicilian slice like from Napoli's? Well, I would say that that fat Sicilian stealth sliced, which I really enjoyed those back in the day. Um, that that's kind of equivalent to what I was describing with this Detroit style pizza. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So when you were on here the last time, it was it was in April. You were in Bradford. You had checked out of Texas to like at the time i think we were fucking waiting for the earth to explode but had you gone and started the process for the voice at that point in time okay so when we a year ago when we talked yes the process was started they had sent me an email and actually i think that we touched base on this when the last time we talked so i I was contacted when they were doing season 17 um, to audition while they were in Austin. So I got an email from their casting team. It was like, Hey, you know, we found you on Instagram. We're Instagram. We're, we're really interested in hearing you. We're going to give you a private audition. So it wasn't like I sat in a line, like you see on like American Idol or something. Like I had an appointment. I showed up. I went into a room where they had a stage and lights and microphones and they had three people three producers sitting there with a camera they were filming me and i sang they told me to prepare three songs and you know i'm going to sing one of them so start with your best song and if they ask you to sing another one then you're doing well because 95 percent of the people that do it on they they say you know after the first song hey you know just wasn't really there today have a good day so I went in there and I sang my first song and the guy was like, Hey, that was good. Let's hear your next one. And I was like, okay. So I sang my next song and he's like, okay, let's hear your third song. I'm like, okay. Saying the third song and I'm like, okay, well, congratulations. We're going to take you in this back room and we're going to do an interview with you. So then I went in this back room and I did an interview and they asked me about my life. And, um, you know, I told them my story, you know, military all that stuff uh full-time musician family man all that and um they're like okay well this is great great stuff we're putting this video together we're going to showcase this to all 20 of the producers and this is basically like a package video and there's going to be all you know other videos too and they're going to pick who they're going to fly out to la for the blind auditions and like, we'll contact you. It's looking good. We'll contact you. We could fly you out. And I said, okay, cool. So then a week later, I was told um, that the producers didn't pick me to fly me out. So like, okay, well, that was cool. 
well, I'm the, you know, let's get back to life. And then, you know, that was season 17. So pretty much exactly a year after that. Um, yeah, exactly a year after that, I get an email from the casting team that says, Hey, um, you know, I know that Corona COVID-19 has been really tough on the industry. We are still doing the show through COVID-19 and we are doing online auditions. Um, JD, are you interested in submitting some links for our online auditions? And I was like, you know, sure, I'll give you my links. And I basically just gave him my YouTube channel and said, okay, well, here's my YouTube channel. Have a good day. And then that is where we left off for the last time we talked. So I had been in contact with them and I sent them my links and this was a year ago and there, and I was waiting to hear back. So then when I got back to Texas, um, they had, I had a, an interview, a zoom interview scheduled with one of the casting directors and basically the same thing happened where I happened in that back room and we had a long interview and she's like okay this is great like you know i'm really excited about this i think this is gonna be a good thing so okay cool so then like four months go by and i don't really hear much of anything i'm like okay well i don't know if this is happening or what and then i get a phone call and it's like hey uh jd it's uh you know so and so with the voice and we're we're i'm just here to congratulate you you're we're gonna it was like a random number like indiana or something like oh well i guess i'll answer this Hello? Hey, JD, is that what you, do people call you that? Is that what you go by, JD? I'm like, uh, yeah, how are you? And they're like, this is the so-and-so with the voice. We're going to fly you out. Congratulations. You're going to come to LA for the blind auditions. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I was like, when do I fly out? They're like, yeah, we're going to fly you out in like two weeks. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can probably make that work. And um, yeah, so then I went out there. So then I get out to LA. And they fly a hundred artists out there for the blind auditions for 40 spots. So there's a hundred people fighting for the 40 spots and there's six weeks of preparations before the auditions happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So is there anybody there who wasn't recruited through the same type of process you were with the producers and kind of like regionally everybody's cast? everybody's cast well, there's some of them that are like left over from the season before you know but it's that, not like, like somebody shows up with their guitar and plays for blake and he's like hey why don't you fucking come be on the yeah. show <laughs> dude it's not like no dude let me ask this do you believe in santa claus <laughs> do you believe do you believe in santa claus is the easter bunny real unfortunately, oh, unfortunately unfortunately not you know i hate to you know i hate to be that guy but like come on man like this is the way it is but uh so i get out there and there's a hundred artists for 40 slots there's all there's six weeks of preparations you have you know rehearsals and then you got voice lessons with a vocal professional and you know you're doing wardrobe stuff because they're you know everything is it's like a huge thing, you know? So, uh, so there's once auditions roll around and they have 
pretty much picked out like you know who's gonna you know they have like they've eyed out like they know what they know what they're working with you know what I'm saying? So it's up to so in, in an essence it's kind of like they've kind of probably 80 percent figured out who's moving on who's going to be a part of the show and it's really up to you to not fuck that up <laughs> like don't go up there well, and just like stumble all over this and not give them a reason to fucking turn their chair like start playing the music when they when we cue you please don't stand there well I don't know, man. Like, I'm sure there's been some, these guys, they have their system down. You know what I mean? Like they know what they're doing and when they're doing it. But like, I got to say, like, I feel like they know what they have and they know what they're working with and they know what they're going to do with who they're going to do it with. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. What, what kind of vetting process do they make you go through in order to validate stories and I, I bring this up only, and I think we may have talked about this on the first podcast that we did together, but it was American Idol, I believe, back in the day, like when that show was really popular. At least maybe it was in my household. It wasn't mine, too. My mom loved it. Now my mom loves The Voice. I've been hearing for years, you got to be on The Voice. You got to be on The Voice. Now I'm finally on The Voice. My mom's like, oh, my God, he's on The Voice. Like, you know what I mean? It's just... My mom's loved these singing shows forever, man. That's awesome. It's funny. I was watching American Idol when I was in like first or second grade. I was watching American Idol when Kelly Clarkson won. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson, Ruben Studdard. There was uh, Clay. What was that guy's name? Clay, Clay Aiken. Clay Aiken. Yeah. But I remember there was a guy. Chris Daughtry. Daughtry was, yeah, he was there. Bo Bice. I, pr I probably am wrong. It probably wasn't even American Idol. But there was a guy who, his story was that he was like a wounded veteran. Oh, no. And his, like, he could sing. The guy could sing. He had a set of lungs on him. And that's not a good look right there. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't end well. You know, he, he wasn't actually over in Afghanistan. He wasn't doing the things that he said he was doing. It was like a, a full-blown stolen valor, like on full display on, you know, primetime network television. And I remember like the backlash of, of all of that. So I don't, I'm not familiar with that story, but that is not a good situation to be in. For me, they wanted, um, they did their research, man. There was a, they have all the resources to validate what you're telling them. They wanted, uh, they wanted my DD-214 um, from my military background. And uh, they wanted, what, uh, uh, Princess Cruises. They wanted, like, they wanted proof that I really was on a cruise ship. They wanted, uh, I mean, they wanted all sorts of things to prove my story. They wanted to make sure that I wasn't bullshitting them for good reason, too. I mean, you know, you watch these shows and you're like, oh, well, I guess if I can just come up with some kind of good story, then I'm going to be golden. And it, this guy, they did. do want that, but it, it better be true or at least, you know, remote, like it better be like legitimately what you're saying is the real deal. Dude, people want because you got kids up there that's like, you know, there's 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 a there's there's a one kid there's one kid on there today uh, on there this season that's talking about like 
how he was a foster kid and like you know like if it taught like all this all like a, a traumatic upbringing it's like you can't fake that story like you got to really live that in order to go on tv and tell the country about this you know what i mean takes balls it does take balls man i mean even for me just to go up there and, and tell my story the way that it was told like i feel good about the way my story was portrayed on tv um but yeah i mean i've been it's like man like i'm telling my my story to you know i guess seven and a half million strangers yeah i guess i didn't think about it that way but it's it's truly the case so i would have to i mean you mentioned you got a hundred people there fighting for 40 spots it's like miscongeniality so are you interacting with these other contestants like are you guys all hold up in the same hotel how how is that dynamic because that sounds like it's it could be a reality show in itself yeah i mean it definitely could i mean just walking out of my hotel room and i mean you know you see you've been to one of my shows you know what i do you've seen what i do and um walking out of my room and hearing someone that sounds like aretha franklin singing next door to me and i'm like whoa dude like what am i doing here you know you get a little bit of like imposter syndrome like whoa man whoa but again it's a different lane you know she's in a different lane than me but it's like whoa that's nuts you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're talking about someone that's just like, holy man. That's nuts. Talent on a different level. I mean, she just got pipes. You know what I mean? She's got pipes. But it's weird because it's like, for me, it's like, how can you compare? Because art can be appreciated in so, like, so many different forms of art. Like, yeah, people, people love, people love uh, R&B music. People love gospel. People love over singing. For me, I'm not a huge fan of songs that I, I'm, I'm, I'm a songwriter, dude. I write songs that are meaningful to me. I don't write difficult songs and I don't sing difficult songs. That's not what I do. I don't do these crazy runs that you see on this show. Like for me to even be on this show is just kind of insane because that's not me. Like I'm not a guy that's going to go out there and do these ridiculous vocal runs that everyone else is doing. It's like, that's just not in my wheelhouse. And, um, you know, it's just hard to, to dick. It's, it's hard to compare different flavors when they're not close you know it's like saying you know do i like chocolate or vanilla because sometimes i like chocolate and sometimes i like vanilla you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. sometimes I like strawberry sometimes i like mint chocolate chip what are you in the mood for buddy that's a really good analogy 
so <laughs> so we won't give any spoilers and i know like as we sit here right now you're gonna be i don't are, my, are we allowed to say you're gonna be like in the next week right popping up again during the battle rounds so i believe so i mean i don't really know exactly what the situation is but something like that so how how have things changed for you both personally and even just we talked a little bit about perception and maybe even stigma but like has going on there and being around people like that to your point right like you walk down the hall there's some chick in the room next to you who's got a set of lungs on her that very well could be the next you know urethra aretha franklin and uh urethra <laughs> i almost called her urethra franklin <laughs> oh christ you know but does that give you like validation because you at some point like you're out performing every day you make a living with it so there's a level of comfort that you have to have just to be able to do that professionally. So is there a level up in your head where it's just like, Hey, okay. Like I, I belong here. Or is that something that you already had anyways? And it wasn't necessary. Um, well, for me, what's changed for me? Um, nothing crazy has really changed. I mean, I would say, I was a little, do I, I, I have confidence for sure. Uh, I'm confident in what I, I have, I have confidence in what I do because I do it day in and day out. And I know that when I'm out playing live and I'm playing my show, anybody that see, like, I would say 90% of people that see me, like they're seeing me and they're like, Oh, wow. Like this is, this is good. Like, you know, if I'm at a, I'm at a I'm at a bar or a venue, and I'm hearing live music, and it's good live music, and I appreciate that, and I'm going to tip this guy, and I'm going to request a song, and I'm going to support this guy, I'm going to buy some of his merch or whatever. Like I I have been doing this for years, going on eight years at this point, and I know that the overwhelming majority of people appreciate what I do. So me going on a TV show and them showing a 90 second clip of what I do when I do it every night in front of people for three hours, you know, that's not really a fair representation. And sure, if I get a little bit of hate, like, yeah, I mean, my life hasn't changed. I've gotten a little more followers. I've gotten some followers. I've, I, you know, nothing's really changed for me, though. No, I wouldn't like. I'm still going out and I'm playing the song. I'm playing songs and I'm playing the same places that I've always played. And I just have something else on my resume and, you know, maybe a, a little bit of, uh, you know, just something on a resume and, and maybe a little bit of, uh, of uh, attention. That's really all it is. And attention for this business, that's all you really are, are trying to get is just get some more eyes on what you're doing. Like the whole purpose of me going on the show, like it, it, there wouldn't have been a reason for me to go on the show if I didn't have original music that I've been working on for years that I'm about to release. It's like, you know, if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have been like, okay, I need to go on TV. It's like, no, I'm going to wait to release this music 
because I'm going to go on TV and then who knows, maybe I'm going to get, you know, 10,000 more, you know, followers or, or, you know, even just since I've went on, since I've went on there, my, my Spotify is getting a lot more listens and, you know, a lot more streams. So, I mean, it's, I would say for this and for anything that you do in life, you just got to do things with intention. You got to work with intent. It's like, why am I doing this? What am I going to get out of it? Do I even know what I'm going to get out of it? No, I don't know what I'm going to get out of it, but I'm going to take the leap into the darkness and hope for the best. So I like attention. I totally get right. Like and it's super smart to be strategic in that and to plot your moves in a way that's going to maximize the amount of people that are paying attention to you and what you're doing right when you're going to put out everything you've worked really hard and that's important for you. Especially after going through this experience and, and kind of getting a firsthand glimpse that like this industry quote unquote industry, right? How much of that is even necessary in today's world and do you feel like it's f- fracturing and fragmenting like in the music business? I was just curious, you know, it's like, who's even on the billboard charts right now? And there's, there's definitely good music there, but I went and looked at the rock billboard charts and I'm like, I don't recognize any of these bands and none of, I would bet 80% of them won't be here and never be back on the charts again after this little quick little run. You know what I mean? And it's part of that, I guess, is kind of exciting. And it's it shows that I guess maybe you don't you can be anybody and, and make it. But I also feel like it it ties back to how you laid out this whole recruiting process. And it makes me wonder how many of these bands, especially for radio play, it's all predetermined who's going to have the hot singles. And, you know, like, is it worth trying to go down that road or is it better to just try to build your own brand, find a loyal following and create your own content on social media, on YouTube, and just kind of, you know, be, try to be prolific and create experiences. I'm going with the latter, you know, um, here's something that I can point out and I, you might just for shits and giggles, like, have you ever heard, you've heard of Eli Young band, right? Yeah. So, you know, the song, even if it breaks your heart. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Keep on dreaming, even if it breaks your heart great song i love that song and i've loved that song since it came out i heard it when i worked for the lewis run borough back when you were delivering beer you were delivering beer i was working for lewis run borough i was sitting in the borough truck i would listen to country radio i'd hear that song this is like 2011 man i loved that song so now i'm down here i met uh i'm gonna i've been working with a, a producer and he turns me on to the guy that wrote that song. And I'm like, wait a minute. He wrote this song. 
So then I'm like, wait a minute, he wrote a song. So I go to Will, Will, Will Hogue, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. I go to his Spotify and I listen to the original version of the song. It's the same exact song. Same exact song. But he lived it and he wrote it. He wrote it down. Like that song is real. Like if you listen, if you go to that song and you listen to it, you listen to that first verse where he's, he's talking about, you know, when he was a kid, he'd sit outside the bar when he couldn't even get in just to hear the music. You know what I mean? Like he's talking about like that came from a very real place inside of him. You know what I mean? Like though that song mean that he, he lived that song. And then, you know, he releases it and it's a great song. It sounds very professional. The recording's great. And then someone decided that his version wasn't good enough and they take the same song and they record it and it, it gets released. And uh, nothing against Eli Youngman because I love them too. I think they're excellent. If they're local. I love Eli Youngman. I'm not dissing Eli Youngman at all. Their version of the song is excellent. My, my thing is that I thought that that was their, their song. Like, I thought that was their, like, I thought that, that they lived that song because that's a very personalized song. So when I find out, and I've been doing a deep dive on Will, the songwriter, because he's a real artist. You can go to Spotify and you can listen to his whole discography. Like, What's his name? He is excellent. Will, Will H-O-G-E. He's one of the best songwriters. I and I've just been doing a deep dive like the past two weeks. Like I never even heard of this dude, but he's got number one hits, and um, that that he just ne- like he wrote them and he released them, and then they just got re-released, you know, repackaged. It's set, like honestly, when you think about it, isn't it kind of sad? Is he compensated for that? Like, because he, I'm sure he's, he's, he's got to get like some famous. sort of like writing credits or something, right? Like a pr- uh, publishing. He, I'm sure that he gets paid famously for that. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not about the money though. Like, sure. It's always about the money. Like, is it though? Like he lived that song, bro. You know what I mean? Like he's really good at writing songs. So yeah. Like he makes a career writing songs. That's really you know, I guess for me, like that might be my best case scenario is that I write a really good song one day that someone else releases. You know what I mean? Yeah, or you write a really good song that you release. It's, I well, think, no, it's the same thing. He released it. It's re- it, he he released it to a much smaller audience. You know what I'm saying? Sure. No, I, I get it, right? And it could be a scenario where you release a song and somebody hears it and decides to put their spin on it, which is kind of cool in and of itself because like, it's art creating art, right? In a way. But it, it could be that, right? You write some dope song, somebody hears it, they put their variation on it, it becomes a huge hit. You lived it, they didn't. You get compensated, however, but you could also write that song and it could make its way out there and you could be the person that performs it every single night. Yeah, for sure. 
that could be the opposite that that could definitely happen for sure um i don't know man i i i don't know how it all works and i don't know what it's like to be the band that gets pitched this great song you know what i mean like how do they decide who releases what or it, do do they is they even a thing i don't like i don't know how it works like how do they how does how does this guy write a song release it to his audience and then it gets taken and then someone else releases it i always struggle with it because i feel like and a lot of times you can tell when somebody doesn't write a song and they're just performing something that was written for them and i think it takes a really really special performer to be able to deliver a performance on something that they didn't write in a way especially yeah. if the song is like really deep and i think of turn the page and and metallica and yeah I, I love that version of turn the page and it's such an iconic song but they didn't write that song well the but difference is though is that is, no one no one thought that metallica wrote turn the page turn the page was a hit right bro. right but they still <laughs> they, the didn't, cover. they didn't write it but here's where i'm here's what i'm getting at is I buy it even though they didn't write it because they still lived it even though they didn't live that story. That song is Metallica as much as it is about a truck driver out on the road. It's, you know what I mean? It's, it's, that's yeah. them. And so for me, it's like the perfect song that they didn't write. Well, what I used, I used this song as an example because. I always thought that that was like their song. You know what I mean? Like it's with with Turn the Page, you know, you know that's about like Bob Seger wrote that song. Right. You know. So no one like Metal like there when you heard Metallica cover the song, you're like, "Oh wow, that's a really cool cover. I love how different it is from the original." Like there's a whole different meaning to that type of thing. But for that it's the same exact thing like there's nothing really different about what the difference is aside from the fact that there's another guy singing it but he's singing it in the same way it's just his voice is a little bit different than the original songwriter mm -hmm. so it and then for some reason like and I, and I my brother just sent me this uh article that was about like songwriters kind of demanding that pop stars stop taking credit for the songs that they didn't write and it's true i don't feel like the songwriters are being represented properly in the public eye like if you love a song and it's streamed a billion times why shouldn't the songwriter get publicity out of that well even further and i know again it's not it's not just about money but it always comes down to money why aren't they compensated differently through spotify and other streaming services i heard a story recently about and it makes perfect sense sony music was paying tiktok influencers to make tiktok dances to songs that were about ready to be released so that the songs would trend on TikTok and get a whole bunch of plays on Spotify. And so 
Like they're literally, they just have shifted what they're investing in because it was just a different thing that they would spend their money on to promote a CD or something in the nineties or in the two thousands. Right. It's just, it progresses along and now TikTok is this platform where music is tied to it, but they'll go find the girl that's got 5 million followers and be like, here, here's five songs that we want you to make dances to and then release them. Because and here's a hundred thousand dollars to fucking do it. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, man, dude. I'm telling you, man, I, I swear to God, I'm living in the wrong decade. Like this is just insanity, bro. Well, that was what I was going to ask you. Do you think we'll ever, ever get back to a place in time where music is what it was? Or do you think it's long gone? Like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s? I even think when I was a child, and I don't know if you ever got, you're a music person, so you would have, if it was, if you had the opportunity, you would have done it. But I, rec- I remember going to concerts and it's just, music is different now the whole everything is different and i think it really truly is streaming and just the instant access to music which is a good thing but it changed how i saw it and i may i we may be that last generation who had an opportunity to remember what the old style of music was or how it was distributed out to the masses yeah i mean there's no more record sales or i mean that used to be how artists made their money that's how people that's how they got rich was through their record sales and you know pretty much now artists are only making money through through playing live like a lot um, of them are getting ripped too because they're signing these 360 deals where they're given a portion of their merch they're given a portion of their live performance i mean they're given a portion of absolutely everything yeah, I mean, for that, I guess I'm pretty happy that I am where I am because I'm I'm able to make a good living without having anyone else's hand in the jar. You know, it's literally just me. Like I handle all the business. I do all the emails. You know, like it's it, when you reach out to me, you're reaching out to me, and you're going to get a response from me. You're not going to get a response from you know someone else that you know, just going to talk to three other people before it gets down to me. Like you're, you're reaching out to me directly, but, um, yeah, I mean, do I think it'll ever get back to that? I don't know. I really don't because it's, it's really odd. I think that there would have to, I love Joe Rogan. I don't know about the Spotify deal, man, because I just, I, I wish, I just think that, I don't see it, bro. I just don't get how they're able to do what they do because oh. they're, they're, they're taking, I, I have to put my music on Spotify or else I'm missing out on a whole market. Instead of, instead of us, and, and I, I am a member of Spotify. I take advantage of other artists to listen to Spotify because everyone like that's just the world we live in. So I pay my seven dollars, my ten dollars a month or whatever it is, so I can have access to all this music. But do I kind of wish that I could just have like I, I I miss going out and buying a CD and getting the album art and then 
looking through the little pamphlet and seeing the credits Find for every, every you're like okay and 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 there it is okay and then you're like flipping through to see oh okay or here's here's all of the guns and roses albums let me see like okay they've got appetite they've got spaghetti incident they've got use your illusion one and two okay like it was an experience in and of itself to go to poppies and go look at the cds or to go even over to FY Poppies, dude. You said poppies. Do you remember poppies? Dude, I was inside. My brother just dropped poppies to me. I was like, I where the fuck was was poppies where CVS is now? Was that poppies? Um, no, so poppies was on Main Street. It was on the corner across from like uh Oris Jewelers. And then it moved uh it over to where uh save a lot is. I thought that was movie world. It it was, but then I feel like Poppy's maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. It moved somewhere. I thought it moved over there, but I was inside of Poppy's when news broke that Left Eye Lopez died. I remember like breaking news on the on the stereo because they play music in there. And I was like crushed. Carson Daly broke the news. Yeah, right. Now it's uh Times have changed, man. It's... Wait, what was that show that he did, dude? Carson Day? TRL. It's a weird thing, man. Total Request Live. And then he, TRL. Had, he had his own show that was on at like midnight. Last Call with Carson Daly. Do you know, uh, I saw before we hopped on mm. here. Today is the anniversary of Kurt Cobain and Lane Staley's death, April 5th. I love Kurt Cobain. I love Nirvana, man. I had a poster of Kurt Cobain in my, in my room from the time I was about 11 until I was, you know, graduate high school. Here's, this is even crazier. So it's been 27 years since he died, and he died when he was 27. So, like, think about that. He's been gone just as long as he was here. I'm 28. Dude, he left his mark, though. I mean, dude, I close all of my shows with All Apologies by Nirvana. And I have for years. It slaps. I do, like, a bluegrass version. It's pretty cool. I think I've heard you play that before. <laughs> it's my closer dude it's my closer hell of a song yeah the, yeah i saw an interview with dave grohl it may have been a howard stern interview and it was, it was interesting because he was asking and the, his name escapes me it's the there's like another guy he's he's like the other guitarist in foo fighters he was the other guitarist in uh Okay, dark hair guy, dark complexion. Okay, yeah. So Howard was asking him, do you guys ever get together and play as your Nirvana? Or do you wonder what it would be like to get together and play as if you're Nirvana? And he was like, I don't have to wonder because we get together and play as if we're Nirvana. So like, kind of like dropped it that, he, that him, um, Kurt, or not Kurt, um, 
Pat Smear, and then fucking what's the guy's? I'm trying the, to think of the bass player's name. Uh, he's he, he's got a weird name. It's like it's like some kind of Europe, Eastern European. It's yeah. long. The last name's very long. Yeah, can't yeah. remember what it is. And Dave Grohl, but you know they they said it's difficult to do that though. And that it's really hard for them to get together and play those songs and hear them because it takes them back to a time that was so happy yet so sad. And it really humanized it for me for a minute because I think about Nirvana the same way you probably do, right? Like I, I remember cranking their music in my room. It was like just, it was just this thing. It was bigger than life, this music they lived it they were just normal people they're humans they were born they're just they were babies at one point in time and their lives took them in this direction where they all met and they created this amazing shit and now they're left to see there too you know it's like oh well it's weird too like i've always been a huge foo fighters fan so I obviously love Dave Grohl. And I always really enjoyed the documentary that Foo Fighters did called Back and Forth, which I guess was the title of the album that they were promoting when they made the documentary. But uh, there was a portion of the documentary spent where Dave talked about like the hate that he initially received when Foo Fighters began. And you know, there was a lot of people that were like pissed off saying like, oh, he's just taking Nirvana and now he's the front man. So he's just like stealing Kurt Cobain's legacy. And it's like, which I, I mean, you dude, I mean, the Foo Fighters got some songs, dude. Like some of those songs, those songs, slap. I love the Foo Fighters. Love the Foo Fighters. You're another one. Yeah he's that's a band that i've never seen live that man if i could see they're they're up there you know i i, I would and there's no there's no comparison i want to see the stones so bad like that to me would be that that's a bucket list item for me you know it was before that it was seeing guns and roses just from when i grew up my musical influences gnr was just it was everything to me as a kid. And I just, I've always vibed on their, on their stuff. And so being able to see them even kind of a somewhat of a shell of what was the original lineup was, was really cool. The stones, man, that would be awesome. Foo fighters. It would be up there for sure. Tool. I'd love to see tool. I mean, all of those Seattle bands too. I mean, I guess the live is a Seattle band, aren't they? I don't know. I think I can't believe I they're from Pennsylvania? I think so. Bethlehem. And they came to Allegheny and started shitting on our town. Flash forward, I went to Latrobe, Pennsylvania, 2004. It was the Rolling Rock Town Fair. And Velvet Revolver was the headliner. Ooh, that's a good one. Stained. Um, disturbed. Um, 
there's a bunch of fucking bands, man. But um, Finch, and I only only reason I know Finch played was because Finch was performing, and it was a really interesting stage setup. So they had a circular stage with a wall, and so you've probably seen this before. But while the one band was performing, they were setting up for the other band. And as soon as that first band was done within like five minutes, they circled that stage and the new equipment was there and they were ready to go. And so Finch is about ready to perform and the stage is starting to turn and you see the singer like distracted as the stage is turning towards the crowd. And he's talking to somebody on the side of the stage. And so then he, the band starts kind of like, getting their shit going like people start cheering and you see he starts to like talk to the crowd he's like what's up everybody and then he like turns back around and he's pointing at the talking to somebody and i realize it's david draymond from disturbed and so you see like a group of people from the side of the stage start to come out and then all of a sudden it just shit hit the fan dude and it turns into an all-out brawl Draymond fucking spears the singer of Finch, slams him onto the stage. What the hell? The bass player from Finch took a swing with his guitar at a couple of members of Disturbed. And I mean, it got bad, bad. Like punches were thrown and they separate it. Finch starts to play again and then they get booed off stage. So they leave. Disturbed comes on like five bands later and uh seven dust performed i mean dude it was like the last tale of this fucking show was super heavy and disturbed comes out and is like uh, they give some speech about like not letting anybody talk shit about you and come to find out this the singer from finch gave a an interview in revolver magazine and said that uh disturbed their music was poison and that the world would be better off if they were dead or something like that. So they took offense to it and like fucking didn't play around and literally got into a fucking fight on stage. So that's two different times that I've seen a band get ushered off because the singer got cracked in the face once by a boot the next by Dave Draymond. But that's pretty dope, dude. That's cool. Yeah. I got to look into that story. I, uh, Dude, the, the boot story, though, like, something similar happened to me. I went to see Silverstein and Bayside. And uh, the singer for Silverstein, they came out and played, like, one or two songs. And then somebody threw a fucking shoe up there and hit the singer in the face. It's the same story, dude. It's so weird. Hit the singer in the face, and they just said, we're done. And they just literally walked off, and they didn't come back out. And everybody was so pissed because they're like, we just like, what? Like, in a way, it's so rock and roll, right? It's like, you'd hate to be there, but it, there's the, there's the famous incident where Guns N' Roses, um, it was actually when Metallica and GNR went out on tour and James Hetfield got lit on fire by the pyrotechnics and they were in oh. Montreal. So they're playing fade to black and he wanders over top of a flame burns himself really bad they rush him to the hospital guns and roses comes out can save the day 
Axel bitches about the audio and storms off stage and they don't finish the show. A riot ensues and like people die. There's riots. They're fucking lighting the whole stadium on fire. I mean, what? Look into that, dude. Yeah, it was like in 92, maybe 91. Horrible. So Metallica had to end early and then Guns N' Roses said, we're done. We're not playing. Yeah, there was a problem with Axel's microphone. And so he got pissed off and he threw it down and left stage. And they're like, okay, well, that's everything. And people went fucking nuts. Dude, humans, man. It's so fucking weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just rock and roll at its finest. And it, not that that's a good thing. Like, God, it's, it would be crazy, but... There was, it, were, highlights, it highlights the worst, man. Not rock and roll, but like, you know. It's like, uh, I, was, I, I think I was watching a podcast with uh, the singer from Cypress, or the rapper from Cypress Hill, where he was talking about... Uh, ben Dog? Yeah, he was talking about Woodstock in 1999, where it was literally like, it was like the end of it was like Armageddon out there, just like and like it, it was insane. Like you're in this festival in the middle of nowhere. I guess that's why they don't do Woodstock anymore. But you're in the middle of nowhere, and then like it just becomes like a like like a Armageddon type of situation. Yeah, it was bad. I remember that would have been 99. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I was like 12 years old. It was all over the news. There was like 30 different rape charges because people were crowd surfing and people would try to like grab girls. And that was, yeah, that was an ugly scenario. It was one of the largest crowds though. I don't know where I heard it, but it was, I think a Rogan podcast where somebody, it may have been, uh, everlast talking about it and how when he was there he performed in front of like 500,000 people and they took him in on a helicopter because there was no getting to the state like they had to fucking fly you in because you couldn't get a vehicle close enough to like get to the stage into the grounds <laughs> now the flip side to that is this is about the corniest shit ever so I worked in corporate, I still do stuff, you know what I mean? Like, but I worked at IBM for a number of years and they have their big conferences out in Las Vegas. And the one year Aerosmith was headlining the concert at the convention. So it's like a three day thing with all kinds of speakers and you, you know, it's just a networking event out there. They shut down Vegas basically. And I then, do those events. I know what it's like. Yeah. So they bring in at the MGM Grand, they've got Aerosmith headlining this show. So you show and they're up. paying them, they're paying them famously for that, dude. Oh, dude, I can only imagine. So Yeah. Aerosmith, they're char they're they're charging a lot. So picture this, right? You got no opening band. So it's just Aerosmith coming on, starting from scratch cold you've got a bunch of middle-aged 
business people from tech from IBM. I mean, just imagine who these people are. I'm certainly the outcast of this crowd. And trust me, I know. I I will let you know how I know after this. So they've all they everybody's got these glowing necklaces on that they give you when you walk in, and it's you know it's your uncle Rob from Christmas who gets too drunk and sings karaoke. You know, it's 50,000 of these idiots, probably not that many. I don't know how many people it holds, probably 20,000 people, but it was packed. Aerosmith comes out and it's just like the most vanilla, ballsless rock concert that I've ever fucking been to in my entire life. I felt like they made them turn their fucking amplifiers down. It just... It was everything that rock and roll is not supposed to be. And it was disappointing because I'm a Joe Perry fan. I'm, I'm a big time Steven Tyler fan. I think he's a weirdo, but I, I love it, but it was the strangest shit ever, ever. I mean, they were totally done up in makeup. Nobody's like hardly cheering from a dead stop. No opening band. And to your point, they probably walked away with half a million, seven fifty, for two hours of just playing their hits. Probably more. They probably made a million bucks to do that show. Guaranteed, fucking to you, dude. I've done those gigs, bro. I was I've been hired by uh, by Dell, Mozilla, PayPal. You know, all I, you know, I've done, I've done corporate events for all those guys. I opened up for a band uh, that's really well known in Central Texas. Um, opened up for them at a very pristine venue here in Austin, and uh, and I had done their, I did like some, like I was like this. I was like their 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 entertainment for like their whole week. So they hired me to do like three or four nights of events for the same like there was like their 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 company whole thing. And they're giving them like the, the, the Austin, Texas treatment, you know what I mean? So they're like, we're here, hey y'all, like and they're from fucking like indie, like they're just here for the tech. They're eating barbecue every night, you know. So I'm doing this thing and they I've become to have I have rapport with these people now because they know me because I've this is their third time seeing me. So they see me open for this act that I shouldn't even be opening for because this act is they're they're legitimate. You know what I mean? Like they're legit. And uh and they're playing their originals and I'm out there and the and I there's like a thousand like they have like a thousand employees so it's like a packed house like it's like the whole thing and they're cheering me on i open up these guys and they love it they're cheering me on they're going crazy for me i walk off the stage and then the the real act comes on the act is getting paid you know 50 to you know seventy five thousand dollars to be there they come out and everyone starts leaving they literally played to nobody, bro. They all left and let them play. And nobody stayed. It was literally like me and Charles just sitting there watching this very 
notable band. Like Charles, this is like when Charles first bought a camera. He's just sitting there like taking pictures of him and shit. <laughs> like nobody's there, dude. It was ridiculous. But then when I was playing, there was there was like 1,000, 1,500 people that were like cheering for me because I had rapport with them because they had seen me four or five times, you know, three, four times before. I remember being at the WMM barbecue in Philadelphia. Um, Red Sun Rising was playing it and uh, McGarry hooked us up and my wife and I were backstage and Collective Soul was playing. And so they're just finishing and they're singing Shine. It's their encore and uh, they get like two thirds of the way through the song and the lead singer walks back by the drum riser and slips on some water and falls right on his ass, dude, and lands kind of fun. Collective soul? Yeah. He falls hard, and he gets up, and he's super pissed off because I don't I don't know, but it seemed like he had told one of the guitar techs to wipe something off or pick something up, and it resulted in him falling. So he takes his guitar and fucking chucks it at this guy and then goes back out, grabs a microphone, and finishes the song. And I'm like watching this unfold all while like people are cheering and most of the, everybody doesn't realize like what's going on. But from where I was standing on the side of the stage, I could see everything playing out. So they get done and they come backstage and dude, he fucking grabs a hold of this guitar tech and starts screaming at him. I'm like, look at this guy, dude. He was fucking going berserk. <laughs> And I get it. He fell hard. Dude, I played December all the time. I covered December all the time, dude. Don't worry about. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a fun show. That was uh, three day, uh, three doors down, disturbed, shine down. It was a good good lineup. Yeah, dude. I mean. I love the Red Sun Rising guys, man. I mean, I've I've went to a, whenever they're in Texas. I mean, I'm always with their stuff. I'm excited for this new band that they're doing, The Violent. I mean, have you heard the new songs? Oh yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I had uh, Pat down here. He recorded drums for the songs that I'm releasing, so he played drums on my whole record. And uh, yeah, he stayed with me for a while. I, I that's where I first heard the song. He showed me the song when it was before it was finished. But um, fly, and yeah, dude, I think that the future is bright for that project, man. I think I think they're killing it. There, not that there's a a lack of talented musicians in music today, but I think that that's sometimes underappreciated in the music space. And they're three very talented musicians that have a lot of creativity and aren't afraid to test the limits and change things up. I think when you look at their whole catalog of work through Red Sun Rising and now what they're releasing with The Violent, it's evolved so much. But the one thing that I've noticed is every time I listen to any songs, whether it's from, you know, the other side all the way, even into, you know, through the stuff that they did on thread 
and now with the violent i'll listen to a song and i'll really really like it and then i'll listen to it again and i'll like it even more and i'll listen to it a third time and i'll like it even more and i find all these different new aspects of the music that i didn't notice on the first two times that i listened to it they do a great job of layering a lot of things into the music and have a lot of nuance to it which i mean i appreciate that a ton and really dig when i listen to their shit so yeah i mean i just think mike has like a a really great voice for like what they're doing and and i mean that dude just has like he's got the voice bro i mean and then you just take that with just like you know for me pat is the best drummer that i've ever worked with so like i know i mean that dude on the drums he's fucking ridiculous Mm -hmm. so you literally just have someone that's laying the foundation musically because i mean for when you're when you're tracking a record the first thing you track is the drums and if you have drums that are like you know the most important part is the drums if the drums sound like shit you're fucked you're done if you know if you got a bad if you got a bad drummer in there you know you're not you're not gonna you're 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 not doing nothing you're not gonna get a you're not gonna get above ground man it's like trying to stand up on like a wobbly set of stilts yeah no it's not happening you gotta have like and what's amazing is that like you know i mean we're both from bradford so we could talk about dave mcgarry dave mcgarry the drummer i mean it's like dude he was fucking killing the drums i didn't even know he played guitar until like you know it was like a lot like i he, he was fucking he, he was everyone's like he's the best drummer in bradford you know taking bradford into account again isn't it fucking insane though like bradford bradford bradford's produced some pretty good musicians i don't know man i'm biased i talk some shit sometimes so i know anybody that if you're still listening to this episode and you've ever been offended by by me and anything i've said i apologize but bradford's a, a unique place man it's it's everybody wants to say that about their hometown but there's something strange and unique and different about where we grew up and i'm 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 proud in a weird kind of way that i grew up there yeah i mean me too for sure i have that i mean it runs thick and even even more so like taking it a step further i'm not even from bradford man i'm from lewis run which is a suburb of bradford suburb so and yeah right it's ridiculous and uh you know um the pride for you know the the other kids that i grew up with like the other the other you know teenage boys that i grew up with that were also from lewis run it was like a thing like lewis run yeah lewis. like it was like a like you know these motherfuckers like love lewis run 
It was like so, a rite of passage. It was like a cool thing to be from Lewis Run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's kind of weird now, like, as a kid, like, I always kind of dreamed of, like, claiming, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm from Lewis Run. You know, once I finally get to, like, that. Like, hey, everybody, I'm from Lewis Run. Like, but then, you know, I finally, like, I, I kind of, I regret that I couldn't give that to the people that apparently really wanted me to tell the world or tell the country that, you know, I'm from Lewis Run. So I, I guess I, I, I feel, I feel bad about that. But at the same time, man, I mean, we talked about this a little bit before, like, you know, I'm sure I was raised in Lewis Run. I mean, if you want to break it down. I was born to a military family. I was born in Maryland on a, on a Navy base. And, you know, my dad got out of the Navy and we moved back home to where they were from, which was Lewis Run, Pennsylvania. I was raised in Lewis Run from the time I was about two years old until, you know, I was 20 years old. And, you know, yeah, I'm from Lewis Run, and I moved out of Lewis Run. It, let's just break it down. If I would have stayed in Lewis Run and never left Lewis Run, I would still be sitting there throwing garbage into a back of a garbage truck. That's the reality of the situation. I left Lewis Run. I came to Texas, and I've been able to pursue my passion, and I'm trying to move up the ladder. and what's going to get me you know up the ladder is by you know broadening my horizons here in central texas where i've created a family i've created connections i've created a livelihood you know like i need to continue to do this here in central texas and do the texas circuit you know that's just that's just where I'm at right now. I gotta, I gotta do that. You know what I mean? Well, and I, I appreciate you pointing that out because I, I'm sure there's people who knowing that area, super proud that you represent not Bradford, but Lewis run in particular, but the whole area, Bradford included, right? Like there's, there's more, more people than not who appreciate that. And who probably were bummed out, but who probably understand that it's just not simple and there's a lot to it. And it's not you like, I don't think everybody thought you're trying to hide from where you're from. Then you've got the other group of people. And I said this to you before, and I stand by it. They just are bummed out that they can't ride your coattails because you didn't publicly state that you're from Lewis run. Right. And that's a whole different type of person. You've got supportive people and then you've got coattail riders. And it's sad when the coattail riders are literally mad at you for taking their ability to ride your coattails. Cause it's like, well, fuck man, you didn't say you're from Lewis run. So now I can't say that I know somebody from the voice. It's just, yeah, no, I don't, but I don't root for you anymore. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. So Take it with a grain of salt, but I stand by that. I see it. I see it in so many things, it, and it's a sad, sad reality. 
And I only hope that people that feel that way wake up because you get one shot at this thing, man. So, I mean, I actually just put that into a song too. It's like, um, you know, you get one shot, so you got to live the life that you make and don't be afraid to live the life that you make. I mean, and I, I guess that's what I would say to my kids is like, you know, you're in control of your reality. Like if you want to change your reality, you have all the power in the world to do that. If you want to be a YouTuber, then you have the power to make that happen. It's like when me and Joe, when, when me and my brother and Joey, we moved to California. And I remember talking to Joey about this and Joey was, well, your brother, Joey, he was well aware about what my goals were with my life and my career about how I wanted to be a musician and I want to write songs and play music for a living, which seemed unachievable at this point in my life. It's like how I want to be a musician. I want to, I want music to pay the bills. How the fuck do I make that happen? How does that like what? And when I lived in Lewis Run, it's like, how do I make it happen? It's not going to happen here. I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play Jose's every night. And I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like, it ain't going to happen here, dude. So, and it's not, it's not even that it's not going to happen there because there's not enough places to play. It's not going to happen because if I'm working a job where I got to work 80 hours a week to make, you know, to get by, I, how, how am I going to excel at what I do well, and my passion? How, how am I going to get better? And what happens? So basically what I was saying about Joey, what I was saying about Joey though, is like Joey turned me on to this Arnold Schwarzenegger quote, which is, Hey, don't listen to the naysayers because that's all they are. They're naysayers. And they're going to move on from you and they'll move on and start naysaying to somebody else. Like, and I feel like I even fell into this when I lived up there, this small town mentality of just like talking shit on people. It's like, you know, why, why, why do we do that up there? Like, why, why is everybody up there just want to cut people down? And when I moved into a bigger area where, you know, not everybody knows my whole life story. And you know, when I say not everybody, I mean, nobody, nobody knows anything about me. I walk down the street. They don't know who I am, which, you know, sometimes people actually do, do know who I am now, especially downtown, but you know, they don't know, you know, that I failed my math class in 10th grade. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't know all that stuff. So no one's talking shit. But like these small towns and specifically, you know, where we're from, I feel like there was just a lot of shit talking. And I've said it recently to someone that decided to tag me in some shit and talk shit. I said, hey, man, the hate's been fueling me for years. Just keep it up because this whole thing happened. This whole this isn't just an overnight thing. Y'all were talking shit back in 2013. and now we're sitting here in 2021 
and now you're talking shit because I'm on TV. But in 2013, you were talking shit because, you know, I was leaving Bradford to go pursue my passion. And they're sitting in the so, same stool. <laughs> they're, they're sitting in the same stools talking shit. <laughs> it's hilarious. I mean, honestly, isn't it? It's, it's fun. Yeah. It is, man. But I'm proud of you. I've been I've been pumped, dude. I think it's um, regardless of the outcome, and I'm excited to see how everything pans out. But regardless of the outcome, I'm happy for you that you're just taking one more step of fulfilling what you want to do with your life. And I I hope that you've been able to pull more positive than negative. Right? It's easy to like analyze it after the fact, and I think you pointed it out. Even it may even been before we started recording that overall it was such a positive experience for you. And so keep grinding, you know, and I, I mean, dude, it's, uh, it's, it's great being able to reconnect every time I come down to Austin to see the, the progress going out. You know, I think the last time I came down, I brought Evan Luciano out. It was just like to be able to, I shit, dude. Like I remember going to Austin, Texas, and you were in high school with like because my brother was in high school. I was going to Austin for work, and I would go to those same bars because I remember you moved there, and I'm like, hey, do you you ever hear of Moose Knuckles? It's like you you've kind of grown into what you want to do, and now ended up at a place that I actually had some familiarity with, and so it's kind of strange for me to even go there on these trips and be like. Well, now somebody who I know and I'm familiar with is at the places that I would go to if I come to this town. And I don't know a whole lot of places, but it's, it's funny how yeah. the world works, you know? It, it is funny, man, because I do remember when I moved here, like, go to Moose Knuckle, go to Moose Knuckle. Well, what ended up happening is I ended up working for that whole company that owns that bar. And I was across the street every Friday and Saturday for fucking like three years, dude, across from Moose Knuckle. I worked at Library Bar. Every Friday and Saturday night, I played the I played the gig there. And in the background, I mean, there's plenty of pictures I can show you where the sign's there and says, got Moose Knuckle. It's just, I mean, it's a funny bar name, but, yeah, you know. It's, so, it's funny how things work out like that, man. It, it definitely is. So, my when can uh, like when should people be tuning in if they do want to catch you on the voice um i would say i mean i i'd say next monday so the 12th I, i'm assuming i can't guarantee anything but i'm assuming there's also a possibility that it might get montage you know i might and you know my performance might only be 10 seconds long i don't know sure what do you got coming up down in Austin? Anything big, any big plans in this, in the works currently? Um, well, I'm just finishing my recording my record and, uh, I'm planning on releasing that here in the coming weeks. And then, um, yeah, I mean, nothing too crazy, just recording and releasing and playing live and uh i'm gonna be heading up north uh this summer actually if you got some places that i can play in pittsburgh i am down 
to play up in Pittsburgh, dude. I can make some intros for sure. And, uh, yeah, so that and, yeah, I mean, dude, I'm just taking it, taking the opportunities as they come, man. I mean, uh, you know, I'm hopefully I'm, I'm going to be working with some, I'm going to be collaborating with some new people that can help me grow and develop. And, uh, yeah, I'm just taking the opportunities as they come, dude. I mean, I literally, like, I saw, I get down on myself sometimes. So I feel like, like I'm not, um, doing enough, but that's also just me criticizing myself, you know, because I am doing so much, you know, I'm also a family man. I mean, you know what it's like. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting situation. Like I, I gotta be honest, man. Like I really feel like this whole thing, this whole reality, and I know that I'm changing the subject on you, but like, I feel like I'm walking proof that like, manifestation is real and like you you manifest that reality and you manifest what you want and it becomes reality and i don't know i really don't know like it's almost like you know when i when i used to go to sports cafe with you and joey and colin holsworth and you know everybody else that seems like a whole different lifetime ago. Like, honestly, like when you look back at your life, doesn't that feel like a different life for you? Does it? Most definitely. Yeah. For me, it does. When I look back at my life and seems I'm like, like three lives ago, if it, I was like, what? Like, what the heck? What is going on? Like, what is this? What is, what is this? What's going on right now, man? This is weird. So, you know, maybe in a couple more years, I'm going to look back at this and be like, oh, man, that was weird. Yeah, I was on reality TV. What the fuck? (laughs) Wherever you end up, I'll be watching. Hey, man, I appreciate it. And I love that hoodie, dude. Go Bills. I I honestly, I threw this on because I was thinking of you. I was like, what? I had jujitsu class prior to this. And uh, I got out of the shower. I was looking for something to throw on. I'm like, you know what? I want to be comfortable. Buffalo Bills hoodie. Jake's going to be on the, the podcast. I got I to gotta fucking wear I got to represent. So. Oh, yeah, dude. If I would have known, I would have worn my Flutie jersey, man. <laughs> Shit. I mean, dude, the Bills. Made some moves, too. Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, that was an interesting <laughs> move. Interesting move. I mean, that's a big time. That's a, that's a big time move, honestly. That's that's gonna pay off. Dude, their their front office is legit. For all the focus that's on the field, they're gonna be good for a long time because they've got the winning recipe in the front office. I'm very happy. So so crazy too, dude. They were they were so shitty our, my whole life. They've sucked. They've sucked, dude. I literally, this is the first time. This season is the first time in my life. Tell me, though, it doesn't start and end with the quarterback. As much, I'm sitting here talking about the, the back office, and that, that's a huge part of it. 
but it's all think about this go through the quarterbacks since the bills were good the bills were last good prior to this whole revitalization it was back when flutie was the quarterback and they lost to the tennessee titans on the throwback pass in the playoffs that was like the last time the bills were yeah. really significant since then who have the quarterback 11 and 5 that year that was 1999 wade phillips was the coach and flutie was benched that game flutie did not play it down that he didn't play in that game who played rob johnson he was benched for rob johnson because rob johnson they were 11 and 5 and they benched the starters in week 17. Rob Johnson showed out against the Jaguars That's and right. threw like three touchdowns. And then for the playoffs, they benched Flutie and put Rob Johnson because they thought, wow, look at that guy against the Jaguars. That's right. Now I remember that now. So think about but it. Flutie let, him, Flutie let him do 11 and 5. Yeah. Rob Johnson. Bledsoe came after that. Yeah, Bledsoe came after that. Well, Jay, hold on, hold on. Jay so there Boston. was uh, there was Rob Johnson, and then there was uh, Alex there was Felt. Kelly Holcomb that that started for a year, and uh, he was a backup. He just was a filler. Yeah. And there was Kelly Holcomb, and then there was that other dude that was a backup for Jim Kelly, who's now the quarterback coach for the Packers. Alex Van Pelt. Alex Van Pelt. Yep. Yep. He was there and then Bledsoe. And then JP Lossman. He was the guy from Tulane. Long black. He had like dark black hair. Oh, no. I remember JP. I was trying to think. I'm sorry. I was wrong. There was, it was, it was, it was Flutie, Rob Johnson, then Van Pelt, then Bledsoe, then Kelly Holcomb then J.P. Lossman, then Trent Edwards, who Trent Edwards actually looked good until he got rocked against Arizona that. They remember they went they started 5-0 and in like 2007? Then they drafted E.J. Manuel. E.J. Manuel. Oh, God, that disaster. But there was a few between there. I mean, you had Kyle Orton in there. You had – no, there was – Trent Edwards, Fitzpatrick. I mean, dude, th look at the names that we just literally rambled through. Is there any <laughs> wonder why they fucking sucked? Horrible. Uh, well, yeah, they've they've been shitty. Like I said, it's been an and I, you know, I grew up with the Bills on TV every Sunday, bro. Like. My fucking dad loves the Bills. So, like, the Buffalo Bills, 1 p.m. on Sunday was a big deal. We had the fucking chips and dip. We had, you know, it was a thing for my family. And uh, we, 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 we prepared that chips and dip and beef on wick and watched them get their fucking asses kicked every fucking week. Unless they didn't sell out, and then it was a blackout, and you couldn't watch it on television, so you'd have to fucking listen to it on the radio because not enough people bought tickets, and so they wouldn't fucking put it on TV. You remember that? Yeah, piss everybody off. Like, you better come buy tickets. 
Yeah, yeah, they would they would black it out. Yeah, they, they did do that a couple of times. <sighs> but man, I kind of miss having them on cable. It's been nice this season though, because you know, my problem with living out of the area has been that I was never able to watch the Bills. And now that they're good again, they're in prime time. You know, I'm watching, I, I'm able to watch the Bills all the time. Yeah. You know, I saw them they're, they're getting, even here in Pittsburgh. It's the same thing. It's like you don't get those games because usually if there's a Steelers game on, then there's no other game on. They dominate the airwaves, they isolated in this network area. So, but. It's tough. I don't. I don't get to watch as much NFL. I don't watch a whole lot of sports in general anymore. It's I pick and choose. I definitely watch some, but my my days of like sitting down on a Sunday and watching every game. I mean, oh, that was far behind me, unfortunately. But so where at on I mean, social? I just really. I'm sorry. What's that? I'm. I started to ask you where at on social, and you were still talking. There's like a little slight delay. We're on social for what? Where can the people who are listening to this podcast, if they don't already follow you on social media, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at JD underscore Casper. Uh, you can find me on Spotify at JD Casper. You can find me on Facebook at JD Casper Music. And you can just go to my website, www.jdcasper.com. I got some merch for sale, hats, t-shirts, stickers. There was a blanket on there. There's a bunch of stuff on there. I mean, check it out. There's some cool stuff on there. I have all my shows. If you're ever in Central Texas, I got shows posted on my website. Uh, come find me. My calendar's up there. Bands in town. Um, and I will be posting dates in the Northeast for July and late June and um soon those dates will be posted yeah let me know what those dates are we'll talk offline and i'll make some introductions as well see if i can get you connected Sweet. with people do you have Hell an only, yeah. do you have an only fans i want to make sure we <laughs> no i don't have an only fans dude but i've been thinking about it <laughs> i mean i've been looking for ways to supplement income naked birthday songs yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, what's that one? There's that one app that called Cameo. Yeah. For your fans pay you sixty dollars or whatever to give a little birthday shout out to their significant other or something. Mm-hmm. It's a good business up, good business racket. Well, congrats um, on everything, buddy. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me. And uh congrats to you. I mean, I think you're what you're doing is uh pretty damn fucking cool too so keep it up